ton to this program and a ton to each other. This game's about making it perfect. Turn it. Turn it. Turn it. Turn it. Turn it. Packing their bags the way that you just did. A bunch of kids that love this place. It snapped over their head. We took zero out of the portal. They all love it here. And to the ten. To the five. And he's good. This university and these kids, they practice their butt off for two. No. To the ten. To the five. And he's good. You hunted them, coach. Congratulations. Thank you. Good dogs. Good morning, everyone. This is Russ Conway on Between the Hedges. How are you dog fans doing today? Right now, it is a rainy Thursday morning as I look out my window and I am thinking, my goodness, it's raining bulldogs. (laughs) I wonder what kind of day they're going to have today. But I'll tell you what, we had a lot of good things happen overnight. A lot of information we're going to go over, a lot of things we're going to talk about. But before I get started, don't forget... Click on that follow button, click on that like button, click on that bell so that you get notified on all Between the Hedges news. Don't forget to follow us on our Facebook page. We're currently on iHeartRadio, Amazon Music, Spotify. We're waiting for Apple Podcasts to approve us. That should be here very soon. So for those of you who love to listen to podcasts on Apple Podcasts, you'll be able to do that here very, very soon. So... Super excited for the things we got coming to Between the Hedges. Cannot wait. Cannot wait. Cannot wait. So we're going to go ahead and just move on in to today's news from Between the Hedges. Don't go far, folks. You're listening to Between the Hedges with your host, Russ Conway. On our first segment for today, we got this wonderful article that we found on Dog Nation, and it's titled, Why Garbage Time May Be the Most Valuable Time for Georgia Vanderbilt Game. This is by Connor Riley from the Dog Nation staff. He writes, the most valuable part of last year's Georgia Vanderbilt game did not occur when the game was competitive. The Bulldogs routed Vanderbilt 55 to nothing. Georgia Vanderbilt games have not been competitive of late. The last time Vanderbilt scored a touchdown on Georgia came during the 2018 season. But there's still value in Georgia playing Vanderbilt, as Carson Beck demonstrated last season. With Georgia comfortably up 34-0 at the end of the third quarter, Beck entered the game and was allowed to let it rip. In a season where Beck only attempted 35 passes, 11 of them came against Vanderbilt. Beck completed 8 of them. He threw for 98 yards and two touchdowns in just a single quarter. Flash forward a year, and Beck is now Georgia's starting quarterback. The potential he showed against Vanderbilt that day has translated into this season. Beck is coming off his first four-touchdown game and was named Co-SEC Player of the Week this week. They get confidence. I think they get a reward for what they work on in practice, Coach Georgia Kirby Smart said. So many young players in my experience of being where I've been, especially on the higher end, there's a misconception that I'm going to walk in and take over the world because everybody has told me how good I am. 
Very few have instant success, so they have to go through that process of failure. And failure is good for these kids. On Saturday, Georgia is could find its future version of Beck. Maybe not at the quarterback position specifically, but should the Bulldogs handle business against Vanderbilt, they could get a chance to see what some of its many young players can do in live game reps. Georgia already got a chance to do this last week against Kentucky, as the Bulldogs held a commanding lead in the second half. Brock Vandegrift led Georgia on a touchdown drive and took some rare contact. It's great if he has to go in and play. He's going to be more and more ready, Georgia coach Kirby Smart said. He gains confidence each time he goes out there. They interviewed Beck and asked his thoughts on the importance of sliding, and this is what Beck had to say. I was making fun of uh, Brock <laughs> after that play when he came to the sidelines. Um, Jacked up. He kind of got whacked and did a little flip. I was like, you need to make a decision, either slide or go out of bounds or lower your shoulder. Like if you're gonna if you're gonna get hit, lower your shoulder, like run him over. So that was definitely funny to see. I definitely agree with Beck's comment. If you're gonna go down, go down sliding, go down with your shoulders, or go out of bounds. But if you're a quarterback, you're not supposed to be taking hits like that. Another player who flashed in the win was freshman linebacker Raylan Wilson. He was Georgia's top-rated linebacker signing in the 2023 recruiting cycle. But a preseason knee injury slowed the start of his career. He's healthy now and showed it against the Wildcats. The speedy linebacker picked up his first career sack. Some reps would further accelerate Wilson's development. With Georgia having veterans Small Mondin and Jamon Demos Johnson ahead of him on the depth chart, Wilson doesn't need to be thrust into the starting lineup. I'm proud of a lot of the freshmen getting opportunities in some of these games. We've had leads in but they have a long way to go to be ready to contribute like a starter, Smart said. It starts in the meeting room, taking notes or not taking notes. They don't walk through the like the other guys. I showed 10 minutes of tape today saying, look at this guy walking through and this guy walked through. They're doing the exact same play, but one's a senior and one's a freshman. Look at this guy who's intentional and the way he shows his eyes puts his hands on the people and walk through, and then you've got the guy who's a freshman who just casual like it doesn't matter because he doesn't think he's going to play. Well, the difference in that is just stunning. Learning how to be a good player is part of the process, Kirby Smart says. Georgia running back Dejan Edwards is another example of that process. Long before he was Georgia's leading top option at running back, he would use mop-up duty as a chance to show what he was capable of. His best game as a sophomore came against, guess who? Vanderbilt. Georgia won 6-2-0 when he notched a 46 rushing yards on 10 carries. It marked the only time all season he would finish a game with a double-digit carries. Those experiences helped turn Edwards into the player he is for Georgia today. It was really big, Edwards said. In-game action is kind of different from practice, so in-game action he has made a big difference, he's quoted saying. This game against Vanderbilt could be a big opportunity for Georgia's fellow 2023 signee. The last time Georgia went on the road, C.J. Allen was the lone 2023 signee to see the field on offense or defense. A 27-20 final score will have that sort of impact. As Georgia enters the game as a 32-point favor this weekend, it has the opportunity to see some key players in the program get valuable experience. While Damon Wilson or Pierce Sperlin may not yet be household names to all Georgia fans, Beck and Edwards weren't either at one point. Their respective games against Vanderbilt offered a glimpse into the future of the Georgia football program. 
So when it comes time for many of these young players to lead the Georgia football program, they'll be more than up to the task. That again is Dog Nation's very own Connor Riley's article. What do y'all think about that? What do you think about how this game's going to come up again this weekend? I know Vandy has always been one of those teams where, and it's sad, the only time I can ever really remember a memorable game was when we had Graham go out there and go at the head coach in a little tussle. And and it's funny, when you think about games like that, you're like, man, there's so many other memories you could probably think of about Vandy and Georgia. But for some reason, every time I think of Vandy, that memory pops out. So what's your memory about Vanderbilt and Georgia, you know? Is there anything that you've seen in that game that maybe sticks out in your mind? Was it last year's win, 55 nothing, 62 nothing, and before that? Curious to know. Leave a comment on the podcast or go to our website and reach out to us and give us your thoughts on that game. Between the Hedges, we'll be back. Between the Hedges podcast, your host, Russ. You know, podcasting is something I think everybody's kind of familiar with now. I remember when it was starting out brand new, and uh, it was actually something that, you know, people didn't really go to, and didn't listen to uh, podcasts. In fact, they were on radio stations. Uh, I remember when Sirius was starting out, how popular that was. You had these uh, TV shows that would talk on TV, and you'd see them talking to a microphone, and they would be recording their shows. But not many people ever really knew what a podcast was when I was growing up. But now, podcasts are all the rage. In fact, a Georgia football podcast, Daily uh, Dog Nation, um, talked about this on their podcast yesterday. And it says that one of Ugga's harshest critics has changed his tune. This was an article written up by Brandon Adams from Dog Nation staff. He writes, Georgia football is the number one topic every day on Dog Nation Daily. The daily podcast for fans of the national champion Georgia Bulldogs catch up on everything happening with Ugga Athletics with host Brandon Adams and the Dog Nation experts as they break down the latest Georgia football recruiting news and discuss coach Kirby Smart's quest to keep the Bulldogs on top of the college football world. On episode number 2051, it's hard to believe they've had that many episodes. They've been on it for a long time, though. It aired October the 11th, 2023 at the podcast. Georgia fans can hear a discussion about why one of Georgia's most prominent recent critics in the national media has suddenly changed his tune about his perception of the Bulldogs. I will say this. As a true Bulldog fan, and those of you who are listening know what I'm about to say. We Bulldogs know how to take some smack. Yes, I said it, some smack. We know that there are a lot of people's opinions about us. We've never been the most popular football team. In fact, even now, after two national championships, back to back, you still have commentators making negative comments towards Bulldogs as being high school football players or as cheerleaders in uniforms. I know me for one, I'm tired of hearing them talking about it. I'm tired of the commentators talking negative about it. Usually you can tell if they are a you know, balanced commentator or if they're on the fence or if they're playing for both sides, that's perfect. But you can always tell when there's that one commentator, when he has his mind or an opinion about the Bulldogs, you can hear it in his tone of voice. So it is nice to see that even one of Uga's harshest critics can change their tune. It kind of gives us Georgia Bulldog fans a glimpse 
at hope that we might be considered one of the next Alabama football teams. But then again, being in the spotlight comes with its own privy, because we all know that when you're in the spotlight, everybody's going to hate. What do they say? Haters going to hate? Is that the expression that these young kids say nowadays? I don't know. I haven't been a young kid in some time, but I think it's good to know when you read an article like this on dognation.com, written by Brandon Adams from Dog Nation staff, that even the harshest critics can be converted. So for all you Georgia haters out there, you can hate us all you want to, but we Georgia Bulldog fans know that to be a true fan, you got to be able to take some smack. So (laughs) that's all I'm going to say on that topic right there. We'll be back. Welcome back, Georgia fans. You're listening to Between the Hedges with your host, Russ Conway. I'll tell you, one of the reasons why uh, I love watching Georgia Bulldogs and love being a fan of the Bulldogs is the tenacity. I think everybody will say and admit that college football has to come with a level of tenacity. One of the benefits, one of the reasons behind that tenacity has always been good talent. You see him talking about it all the time. Talent, scouts. You have to find good talent when you can find it. You have scouts that are scouring over the states uh, looking for good football teams. You even have Coach Kirby Smart talking about in a press conference. He mentions about how Georgia's got some good football programs out there for young teenagers. They've got some good coaches out there, but everyone knows that in order for there to be a good football player, you have to have good coaches. Good coaches produce good players. Bad coaches produce players who don't want to play no more. So in one interview that Dog Nation did, Jeff Sintel from Dog Nation staff wrote up about the young Zayden Walker, the top junior prospect in Georgia, says, I don't feel like you can go wrong with UGA. This is what uh, Jeff Sintel had to write. Sintel's intel (laughs) is all about the latest Georgia football recruiting info. This rep has the latest with five-star junior Zayden Walker. He ranks as the nation's number one linebacker and the number nine overall junior on the 247 Sports Composite. The On3 Industry ranking has him as the nation's number one linebacker and the number 10 junior. Zayden Walker is the highest-rated junior in state of Georgia. That's another big win for Tiny Schley County in southwest Georgia. Georgia reports the small town had a population of 4,000 487 in the 2021 U.S. Census. Yet the town keeps popping out four stars and five stars and All-Americans. There are 159 counties in the Peach State. Schley is the seventh smallest, but it keeps popping out prospects centered around one specific family. Walker's half-brothers, Akevius, also came from Schley County. The Auburn senior defensive line was the nation's number three strong side defensive end and number 79 overall prospect in 2020. To Lewis Solomon, their brother, is another top prospect. Solomon is the nation's number 15 ATH and the number 199 overall recruit for this cycle. He just decommitted from Auburn this evening. That story centers around a father that Walker didn't really know at all. A 2008 report from the WALB TV notes that his father, Lewis Walker III, was the victim of gun violence at the age of 26. Zayden Walker says that his father's memory still motivates him. He's heard stories about his father from his grandparents and others around town. He states, 
My dad really drives me. I lost him at a very young age. What I get is always great stories when I hear them. He was an athlete. But I don't think he played high school ball or anything like that. But yeah, he was an athlete for sure. When the playoffs rolled around, Walker said he writes his father's name on his tape or gear to honor him. He does that when the game gets really serious, he said. The way his team lost the 2022 state championship game is another motivator. The Wildcats held a halftime lead but were outscored by 10 points in the second half. Schley County fell 39-31 to Bowden in the GHSA Class 1A Division second state final. That game eats me up every time I think about it, Walker said. I wish I could have it back so bad, but it is in the past. We are coming for it this year, and we are going to go out with a bang. Walker just saw the dogs play at home for the third time this season with the Kentucky game. What's the feeling like with those? He replies, it is great, he said. I've got a funny story for the South Carolina game. I didn't get there until halftime, and you know they were starting slow in the first half. I got there at halftime and went with my coach Lance, and he and I looked at each other and said, watch this. I bet the whole game turns around, and the whole game turned around. Why is Georgia big for Zayden Walker? He states, they were my first offer, he said. They've been recruiting me the same way since day one to now. I feel like Georgia is really big for me. It is a family feel for sure. Every time I go up there, I feel like I am a high priority. Walker said that Georgia co-defensive coordinator and linebackers coach Glenn Schumann has let him know he would take his commitment anytime he's ready to give it. We get on the phone about every night, Walker said. Yes, sir, he checks up on me. I check up on him. So yes, sir, we've got that strong bond going, is what Walker said. If he did choose the dogs eventually, what would the reason be for why? He replied, really everything, he said. I feel like your answer is not everything there that you love with why you are choosing a school, and I feel like you shouldn't go there. It really is everything. He said Miami is also recruiting him at a very high level, just like the Bulldogs. There are a lot of college games on his mind to see later this season. He plans to be back in Athens for the Missouri game and also in Knoxville for the Georgia game. He also wants to see the Hurricanes play and make it down for the Florida-Florida State game. Walker already plans to make his commitment prior to his senior year. He saw Solomon commit to Auburn back in August and feels that a good time to have his own decision ready prior to the 2024 season. How rare of an athlete is Zayden Walker? Well, let's look at that. The six foot three, 225-pound Walker looks like a walking muscle out on the field. The Schley County staff has timed him at 4.5 in the 40. He replies, you don't get to coach this kind of kid maybe once or twice in his entire career, Schley County coach Darren Alford said this. I got to coach Leonard Pope on his way to Georgia at Americas, and he could also do it all. That's the same thing with Zayden. Zayden can run, he's got great hands, he can play defense and offense, and he'll do whatever you want him to do. If you want to throw the ball 70 yards, he can throw it 70 yards. Was he kidding about that part? Oh, he can chunk it, Alfred said. He can get it down there. He can throw the ball. Alfred said he's seen Walker throw the shot put approximately 50 feet. The five-star has 17 tackles through his first five games, including seven stops for losses. He also has stuffed the stat sheet with 3.5 sacks and 11 hurries. That's from mostly lining up as an edge. 
That's why he's rated by On3.com as the nation's number one edge for 2025. 247 Sports ranks him as the nation's number one linebacker prospect. That's where Georgia is recruiting him to play. If he chooses the dogs, he'd be an inside-the-box linebacker for Schumann. There was a play he made against Irwin County last year in a scrimmage. He was on the weak side, and the play was going to the opposite side of the field. The call was a toss to the left. The Irwin offense is seen on film all raising their hands like they are about to see a touchdown until Walker flies into the frame. He stopped that runner on the 8-yard line after chasing it down from across the field. Walker says that's the best play he's made in high school. He states, you see me come out of nowhere, he said. I got him about to the 8, got him, that's my favorite play. There was another time against Johnson County when they tried to down block him with three people. That didn't work. He took on three blocks, Alfred said, knocked them all down, and then he steps inside and still makes the tackle. It was a third and one situation right there and made the tackle for a third yard loss. I was like, okay, something is different about this kid when you can do that. The fact that Alfred said Walker took down a back who ran for 2,918 yards and 38 scores a year ago adds a little more juice to that story. The Yugga coaching relationship stands out for Zayden Walker. Schumann has already made Walker a priority for some time. Man, I get on FaceTime with Coach Schumann, Walker said. I talk to his kids. I talk to his wife. He really wants to put you in his family. He said his relationship with Kirby Smart might be what he likes the most about the dogs. Walker states, I love Kirby Smart. You know talking to him is like talking to one of my homeboys. There is a lot that an All-American linebacker prospect might like about the dogs. There are those back-to-back national championships, the number one rankings, the in-state development, the University of Georgia degree. There is the way that Georgia has specifically developed the linebacker position. There's a stat floating around that every linebacker that has started for Schumann at Georgia has made it to the NFL. That's a big one. I mean, it is really everything there checks the box for me, Walker said. It is in-state. They put a lot of linebackers into the league. I mean, I don't feel like you can go wrong with Georgia. What did it feel like when he got his first offer and it was from the dogs? It felt like a dream, he said. I was sitting in my coach's office saying, there is no way. I mean, I have always been good at football in my rec years, but I have always been humble enough to know there's a lot more work I have to put in and all that. But when I got it, they just drove me to work even harder. Walker scored on a touchdown run and caught a 50-yard touchdown pass down the sideline in a recent game. That's along with piling up three tackles, one TFL, and four quarterback hurries. He has four rushing touchdowns and two receiving scores this year. That's not too bad for a linebacker. That's another nod to his rec league days when he tore up opponents so much his teammates called him Zay Train for all the plays he made as a running back. The young athlete is superstitious. He recently changed his number to zero because he had some bad luck with the number three he'd been wearing. He said that number is cursed, Alfred said. His older brother, Zacchaeus, also got hurt when he was wearing that number. He states, I wanted to wear zero because when I jumped into number three, I tore my meniscus, Walker said. When I wore number three in basketball this past winter, I tore my meniscus. So I just wanted to restart, a fresh restart, so I chose zero. Here's what Walker had to say. Tell me about number zero. Tell me about the name change. Why'd you change that number? Uh, Like I was just saying, uh, when I had number three, tore by everything in my body. I, I changed the number zero because it's like fresh restart. I just felt like number zero was just zero. You're back at zero. Fresh restart. A fresh start, Zayden Walker says.
It will be interesting to see if this young player has what it takes to become a linebacker for Georgia, or will he commit to another team in the SEC or another team for college football? All I can say is this, is that I would watch Zayden Walker out of Schley County, Georgia. We'll be back. And we're back to Between the Hedges here. I'm your host, Russ Conway. And man, is that rain coming down hard outside. I'll tell you, it's going to be a wet day here in Georgia. But (laughs) it seems like it might already be a wet day for Kentucky's March Stoops on the term NIL. After Georgia's loss, he is quoted saying they bought some pretty good players. Yes, I said bought, not brought. The 2023 matchup between Georgia and previously undefeated Kentucky didn't have quite the same pomp and circumstance of 2021's October meeting, nor did it end up as closely contested as their 2022 game. The article Kevin Skiver wrote in USA Today Network states, but it still felt like the Wildcats had one of the best shots to trip up the Bulldogs following their Week 5 scare against Auburn. Instead, Kentucky found itself dominated by Georgia in a 51-13 loss that saw myriad mistakes from the Wildcats, including five penalties for 60 yards and just two conversions on 11 third-down attempts. It was the 14th straight win for Georgia in the SEC East Series and Georgia's 23rd straight win overall. Its last loss coming versus Alabama in the 2021 SEC Championship game. Kentucky coach Mark Stoops defended the Wildcats roster, saying, Name, image, and likeness, which became prevalent in 2021, is one of the primary causes of Georgia's dominance. Indeed, Stoops puts out a plea for help for Kentucky football, saying the lack of NIL funding is why there's a gap between the Bulldogs and Wildcats. From his appearance on the Monday episode of the UK Healthcare Mark Stoops show, The other side, if you want to do that, it's complain, deny, or make excuses, is what Stoops said. And we're not going to do that, you know. It is what it is, and fans have that right. I give it to them. I just encourage them to donate more, because that's what those teams are doing. I can promise you in Georgia, they bought some pretty good players. You're allowed to these days. And uh, we could use some help. That's what they look like. You know what I mean. When you have 85 of them, scholarship players, so I encourage anyone that's disgruntled to pony up some more. NIL has been a fascinating topic in lexicon basketball coach Jan Calipari and softball coach Rachel Lawson accompanied athletics director Mitch Barnhart earlier this year to meet with the Kentucky congressional delegation about NIL as the school continues to try to navigate waters that are muddier than they've ever been. Calipari, an outspoken prominent of NIL before it was passed, said in June he is going to embrace the collective approach many other schools have taken as Kentucky basketball has lagged. This comes less than a year after saying he would not take a collective approach. That may have input on Stoops' approach as well. Stoops calls specifically going out to the 15 Club, the main Kentucky collective, which is reliant upon fan donations. The 15 Club was created to provide opportunities for all Kentucky fans to contribute and engage with the athletes they passionately support through various NIL activities. Stoops Wildcats have come a long way from where the football program was. But under Stoops, Kentucky has beaten just two SEC teams who finished over .500 in the conference. Even if eight or nine win seasons are a step up for Kentucky football program, 
fans undoubtedly want to start seeing more signature wins on the resume as well. Stoops' rallying cry is an interesting approach. Ultimately, however, there are no easy answers when it comes to catching up with what Kirby Smart has built in Athens. What are your thoughts, Georgia fans? I mean, I know the NIL has always been an issue of topic in a lot of your podcast and news uh, media and, and, and commentators. You know, some people are pro, some people are con. I mean, me personally, I look at it this way. You've got pro football players out there making money right now for a living. So the fact that they're making money in college legally now, because we all know what ended up happening before NIL and how that worked. The fact of the matter remains is this. Kentucky has never really been a good football team. Basketball, yes. Football, no. So how can you have a coach like Mark Stoops blame the team's loss against Georgia by saying Georgia bought better players? Because if that's the case, then why was the Kentucky team not a good football team prior to the NIL? 2021, now mind you, that's just been three years now that we've been going into the seasons with the NIL being a factor. So if you're going to sit there and you're going to tell your teammates, go out there, play hard, play great, and get your wallet fat, come on. Is that something we really want to see a coach say? Is that something you really think makes the game? Look at all the great coaches of the past. You look at all these great coaches that have gotten their teams to the playoffs and gotten their teams to, to these bowl games and won these bowl games long before money was ever a factor. To sit there and to blame your team's loss because the other team bought better players and you're saying that in order for you to have better players, your team needs to get better donations from their fans, then you need to give your fans something worth watching. You need to do a better job with your coaching staff. Try some different plays. Try different tactics. Think about it. You've only beaten two SEC teams since you've been coach. Just two. Might want to look at your strategy before you go that far and blaming somebody else's teams because they bought better players. Maybe I'm wrong. Tell me what you guys think. Go to our website. Leave a comment. You can always email us, podcast at gmail.com. Tell me I'm wrong, guys. Maybe I am wrong. Hey, but that's just the way I look at it. I just think to me that this whole Stoops thing is going to turn into a bigger ordeal than it wants to be. I'm hoping it'll blow over by the weekend and we're moving on to the next topic. So anyway, that was all I had to say on that topic from Mark Stoops. On Between the Hedges, we'll be back. You're back to Between the Hedges with your host, Russ. Thank you guys so much again for taking the time to listen to today's podcast. If you liked what you heard, please let us know in the comments. You can email us, podcast at gmail.com. You can go on our Facebook page. You can leave posts. We're even working on getting a phone number so you can actually call or text if you prefer that. Hey, maybe you want to be a guest on the podcast. I'd like that too. Let's sit down. Let's talk about some dogs. Let's talk about the local news. Let's talk about it from a fan's perspective. Too many times... You get these people that get in this high hoity-toity seat and they're like, I'm going to talk about it because I get paid to talk about it. I'm going to talk about it because this is what I think we should talk about. Well, from a fan's perspective, we all know as fans that they don't talk about what we really want to talk about, which is what fans should be hearing. It's time we hear what we want to hear. And that's what Between the Hedges is all about. Not a matter of talking about what I do know or don't know. I'll be honest and I'll tell people right now, I never got the opportunity to play college football, but I did play football. I did play sports as a kid. 
I did remember growing up that you put hard work into something, you will see your fruits. My grandparents would put me and my brother to work every single day in the yard, in the garden, on the tractor, in the fields. And at the end of the day, we had a good home-cooked meal. We didn't get paid for doing that. We did it because that's what we were told to do. And that's what we fans are tired of seeing all over the place. Podcasts and news media that delivers what they think is important. What about what the fans want? That's what Between the Hedges is all about. Share this podcast with your friends and your family. Go to our website. The link is in the description below. If you can't click on it, you may have to copy and paste. I know some podcast platforms don't allow for that, and I apologize. I do know that Spotify does let you click on the link. If you want to download Spotify, listen to it that way. That's perfectly fine. We are currently on iHeartRadio, Amazon. We're working on Apple Podcasts here very soon. And we'll be giving you guys an opportunity to give us a call on the phone number. We're going to have that on our next podcast as well, too. So don't forget to check us out. Don't forget to follow for more news on your Georgia Bulldogs. Don't forget to check out our Facebook. From everyone here at Between the Hedges, I will talk to you guys on the next episode. Go dogs!